Chapter 9, verses 30 through 41. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and, the, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Jonathan, so how you doing? Doing pretty good. So glad you're here today. And uh, it's been a beautiful week, and fall has arrived. It came blowing in on Friday, right? That, and with that, come all the colds and bugs that go along with the fall time. And some of you have that. I had the privilege of joining in with you on that. I have a cold. And a toothache and a headache and I'm all congested and so if if I'm not all with it here today, that's my excuse and I'm sticking with it. All right, and I'll I'll just have to deal with that. Let's pray, Lord, as we uh, open Your Word. May we be able to focus on who You are and what You've done and what You're doing and how You've included us in Your work by Your grace. For your namesake, Lord, there are so many things in this world that trouble us, tragedies, heartaches, again, for Natalie, we pray, and for her whole, her whole family, Lord, may you work a great work of grace in them as she, as she and they are all grieving over a loss of a loved one. Um, Lord, I, I think of the atrocities that are going on in our world, and a, a war, another war breaking out, and Horrible things being done, just unthinkable, and it's Lord, it's so troubling, so confusing, so distracting. And then, Lord, this morning, I, we, I get to come here, in this place, and I just close my eyes and I, I listen, and I hear noises, children, a lot of noise in the hallways, laughter. Energy, excitement. Thank you for all of our Sunday school classes and each one that's teaching these children your name and your eternal purposes and your love. Lord, I hear singing. Thank you for a church that sings so well. And Lord, we're singing doctrine that, that moves our heart to, to tears with the understanding of the gospel. 
Lord, it, it helps be able to put aside all those other things, all those distractions. And here we have a church family that loves each other that, because you love us. And for that, God, I want to say thank you. Now, Lord, I need your help today. <laughs> That's obvious. I always need your help. But it seems like I'm more aware of it right now. And I'd ask that you'd help me to be able to get a clear mind and to be able to focus on the task of opening the scriptures, your word, that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And may it pierce to our hearts. And Lord, may there, may there be a change with the way we look at life and what we do with life because of the opening of your word right now. I thank you, Lord, that your word is always right and we can count on it. It's the truth. Because of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what sidetracks you along the way? I'm not talking about ADD. I'm not talking about bad news in the, in the, in the media. But I'm just talking about what, what keeps you from being able. I'm not talking about things that you, where your mind is here and it jumps over there and you don't know what's going on next. I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious. We all get that. Or losing your keys. I do that all the time. Uh, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about what it is that's distracting you from what's really important to Christ. We all do that. We all get distracted from what's really important in life, and we end up investing our energies and our, and our worries and our anxiousness and all, everything we think is so important, and we waste our lives. What's distracting you from what's really important to Jesus? Would you think about that with me as we open the scripture here in Mark chapter 9? Our text is Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 41, as we just had read. And the question is, are we able to address these distractions and get back on track to what's really important? And Jesus does that with his disciples, and he's going to do that for us. And will you notice three distracting situations the disciples weren't understanding, they were arguing over their rights, and they were worried about who's going to be in control. The first situation, in verses 30 and 31, you see that there, uh, they did not understand what Jesus was saying. Now, Jesus just told them that the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, what? He will rise. Thank God. That's the whole story of the Bible right there. Jesus came to die, to be buried, to take our sins with him, and to, to destroy the power of death and the devil. And he's the victor, and Jesus Christ won. And the, the, the evidence we have for that is that he's risen from the dead. He had just told them that back in chapter 8, verse 31, these exact same words. And in chapter 9, here, this same chapter in verse 9, he says he's going to rise. And they're not getting it. They're not understanding it. They don't see it. That's the situation. They were distracted from really listening because they had other things in mind. They had their own plans. They saw it was supposed to be a certain way that I see it's supposed to be. And they miss the plan of God. We all do that. We get distracted from what's really important to Jesus because we come to Jesus with our own plans. And we're not listening. 
and therefore we're not understanding. That's the situation. The second situation here in verses 33 and 34, these disciples were arguing. They were kind of embarrassed about that. They kept silence when Jesus said, so what are you discussing along the way? Uh, Well, we were just arguing about who was going to be the greatest. That's a distraction. Why were they arguing? They're arguing over their rights, over their, everybody listening to what I want, their position, their greatness. I love Christ's response. You see it there in verse 37? Oh, I love this. He took up the children, and he says, whoever receives a child in my name receives me. That word receives shows up here again and again. Take note of that. Receives me, receives not just me, but him who sent me, God the Father. And this little word, child, that's significant, and Jesus is using this particular word in their language on purpose to make a point. This child, this helpless one, has no rights, has no power, has no prestige. And Jesus said, unless you become like this child, you do not understand the kingdom of heaven, these children. That's the situation. And Jesus said, you're going to have to be a servant rather than arguing over who's going to get their way. Do we do that? Husbands and wife, do we argue who's going to get their way? In churches, do we argue over who's going to get their way? Who's going to have the most influence? Why do we do that? Well, we're distracted from what's really important. And then the third situation in verse 38, uh, the disciples, oh, they're worried Someone's casting out a demon in your name, Jesus. And, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Hmm. They're worried about somebody else getting the credit. John says, hey, I don't trust these guys. They're, they aren't following us. They might get credit for something that we should be doing and that we should have control over. They're distracted over their worry about who's in charge. We like being in control, don't we? We like having our way. And that's distracting from what's really important. What's really important? Why why does God have you alive? Why are you here in this town, in this place, during this year of all of history? Now, This particular situation that we're looking at here in verse 38 where John is troubled about them casting out demons, and that certainly happened, and Jesus had to deal with that, and they they tried to stop somebody from casting out, and they tried to cast out demons, and it didn't work a little bit earlier here, just just a few verses before what we addressed last week, I think in verse, uh, was it... uh, Verse 29, 28 and verses 29, where they tried to cast out the demon. It didn't work. So they're, they're really troubled by this. But here's what I want us to stop and, and dig a little bit deeper on this. They're troubled about somebody who's doing something beyond their control. Now, obviously, Jesus did have to deal with demons and These disciples, they tried, and that didn't work. But the problem is not 
that. That's not the main focus, and we'll address that issue at another time as we address other passages. But the problem here is that John takes offense, and Jesus corrects John in verse 40. He says, and this is a key word, a key verse, for the one who is not against us is for us. Can you say that verse with me out loud? Just think about it. For the one who is not against us is for us. Now, I want to build on that thought a little bit by bringing out a contrast, what this is not speaking of, and then we'll talk about what it is addressing. There's a clarification we need to have here, and it, and it, it is a matter that is important for our day. What is not being promoted here is just, let's all get along. I mean, and we should. I mean, that, there, that's, not, that's not the issue. This is not speaking of politically correct tolerance where we just all let everybody do what everybody wants. Um, can I just take a minute here to take a sidetrack and just address what tolerance is not and what tolerance should be, okay? Uh, because this, Jesus here is expressing the right kind of tolerance. But there's some things and pressures in our culture that are taking us away from what truly is appropriate. Tolerance should be, and if you look up the definitions in your dictionary that you online or even in the books, the older definition is something similar to this. The gracious capacity of recognizing, comprehending, and respecting the beliefs and practice of others that might not be just like us. Being, being gracious to somebody that has a different view of things. Uh, this, is, this is at the foundation of our, our relig- religious freedom in America is that we, we have this that you are going to be respected even though we don't agree with you. So it's a matter of respect. That's the fruit of the Spirit working in us to encourage somebody else that may not be right where we are. We would love to have some interaction and conversation and discuss differences. Yes, that's tolerance. But now if you look in the, the dictionaries, they'll add more definitions to this, and, and you'll, you'll see the word bigotry show up. Freedom from bigotry. Now, nobody wants to be a bigot, you know, just unreasonable and, and, and being mean to other people. Now, the definition of tolerance has been changed to all values, all beliefs, all lifestyles, all truth claims must be, and here's a key word, affirmed equal. Any other definition will not be tolerated. <laughs> so what used to what what should be uh, well it, it, tolerance now is actually intolerance. There's massive pressure in our culture now, and within our Christian circles and famous people, even some preachers, insisting that the Christian thing to do 
is to be tolerant, or this word affirming, of those who have differing views regarding gender or same-sex relationships or whatever it is. You need to be affirming of how that, that's the way that person is. Now, tolerance is you, you love people, you're going to be kind to them, you're going to be respectful, even though they have a different view on things. But now the definition of tolerance is you must affirm, make them feel good about where they are. Now, the question is, is that really the loving thing to do? And God is love. God calls for us to love. But is affirming where we are in our sin loving? In the light of these kinds of issues, would you, would you write down this reference and go and study it out? And by the way, if you want to have conversations and inter- interaction and study about this and think through this biblically, would you just text me, call me, uh, or any of your, our deacons or our teachers here, and we'd, we'd love to delve into this further. But can I encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10? Again, today's focus isn't to delve into these issues, but I'm just trying to help you understand there's a, there's a right spirit of tolerance that Jesus brought out in, in verse 40 here that is different than what is being promoted today. That's what I'm trying to emphasize, Okay. So look at that passage and study it and and delve into that. But would you take a minute to keep your place there in Mark chapter 9, and if you will go back to Ephesians chapter 5. And I want you to notice how Ephesians chapter 5 begins. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about being, our, our responsibility is to be imitators of God as beloved children, all right, and walk in, what's the next word? Love. How? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's the gospel message. That's the love of God. To, we're, we're to be imitating this love that Jesus has where he sets aside his self, even as Pastor Jordan was addressing earlier, and he became a servant and he cared for people that, that were struggling, Right? He's loving them, and he's giving us the gospel message. He gave himself, nobody else, Jesus alone was the one who was sacrificed on the cross so that we could have everlasting life. That's the love of God. And this is a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. That's the one who needs to be pleased. And it's through Jesus that there's a propitiation, God's wrath satisfied, because our sin has to be addressed, because God is a just judge. Now, look at verse 3. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. So he's caught. Now, the loving thing to do that he's just addressing here because this is the love of God is to call out sin, right? Now, look at verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, that's a whole vast variety of issues there, right, has uh, or impure, anybody here not impure in one way, or who is covetous, are you wanting some things that, and he says here, this is, as, this is idolatry, this, that is an idolater, you put other things in the place of God, anybody here not done that? We've all broken these commandments. Has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Back to the gospel message that was just given in verse 2. 
Jesus came to be the sacrifice to deal with that, right? So it's the love of God that draws out the problem of sin so that then we come to Jesus to be rescued from our sin. So then we need to read these words. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at the time you were dark but for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Okay? And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Ah. So in our day, that's what we have to come and figure out. What is pleasing to the Lord? I get it. Everyone wants to be happy. I get it. But the question is, how do you be happy? Do you be happy by finding your pleasures and fulfilling them, whatever that may be? Or do you find happiness by pleasing somebody else? Happiness, we're made, each of us, in the image of God, are made to be happy the way God is made happy. So when you please Jesus, you're going to be happy. So whether at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That's the motivation. So then we have a choice. We have a question. Are we going to please the culture that wants to find pleasure to be happy? Or are we going to please God who gives us some directives because he loves us about how to be happy. Think on these things and understand. Be discerning, as the passage here in Ephesians draws out. Be discerning about what's going on and make your choice. Are you going to please Jesus or are you going to please yourself? Now, in our text, what is being discussed is life, ministry, calling, in Jesus' name. It's conducted in Jesus' name, in his name. Christians, other Christians who are serving in Jesus' name. And what does Jesus tell them? They're not against us. That's tolerance. And the key to this passage is that little phrase, in his name. Did you notice that as we were reading through this? That little phrase, in his name, showed up several times. Verse 37, whoever receives one such child in my name. Verse 38, someone casting out demons in your name. Verse 39, no one who does a deed or power in my name. And then in verse 41, it doesn't quite show up in our English quite the same way as it does in, in the original there. But in that, in that language, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to the name of Christ. So you're, there's, there's a name involved here. Now, by name, it's identifying authority. Who's authority? Who are you working for? Who are you speaking for? We've all been in a situation where we have to have a power of an attorney, right? 
individuals that <clears throat> no longer had the capacity to make their own decisions, before that, they will have assigned a power of attorney. Or if you're out of the state and you have to have somebody make some legal documents addressed for that, you have a power of attorney. What's being addressed with that is this. Somebody is doing the job of, because you gave them authority. He's giving you authority to live out his calling, his will. Not, not your own will, but his will. If you do something in Jesus' name, it means that you do it with his authority he gave you and not your own authority. And he is the one who is the Lord who gives us his job to do in our time. So that repeated phrase, in his name, is the key to opening up this entire section with these various situations about dealing with distractions that keep us from doing the main thing, which is to serve out Jesus Christ calling, his name, his authority lived out in our world. Again, look back at this passage. Hear the message of the gospel. It's right there. It's right there. Jesus came to die for our sins. He told them that's what he was going to do, and they didn't understand it. The gospel, don't miss it. This is under, understand this, this is necessary. Number two, stop arguing. Put others first because that's what Christ does in being a servant. And be receiving, have welcoming open arms like, like Jesus said with the child. And number three, a Christ-centered ministry deserves our trust and support. Christ-centered ministry deserves our trust and support. Not everyone is just like you. In fact, there will be some positions that other strong believers will hold that don't fit exactly the way we would here. You know what? I'm not going to agree with them. But I'm going to love them. I, I, I love going to conferences where there are pastors from different denominations or groups and then they'll have this, this pastor's panel, and they'll have these questions that people can come up with, and then these various ones are answered. And they answer it in different ways, and sometimes it gets very humorous. It's a lot of fun. In fact, you can look some of these up on YouTube where they have these conversations, and they're just having, they're having a good time talking about their differences. And I think, I could learn something from that. Just because they don't do things exactly the way I do, I'm not going to agree with them. But I can learn from them, and I can respect them. I can have biblical tolerance. Jesus said he would build his kingdom, his way, with his people, and we are different kinds of people, right? But we do it, the thing that unifies it is it's in his name. That's what this is all about, in his name. So let's apply several things here in these next few minutes. Never lose sight of what is necessary for the gospel to work. Jesus had to go to the cross. He had to die. He had to rise again. There had to be this substitutionary atonement. I can't pay for my own sins because it's never enough. My works don't work out. <laughs> we fall short of the glory of God. 
Jesus is the only one who could die in my place, and he gives me his forgiveness, he gives me his righteousness, he gives me eternal life, and it's a gift. And I say, thank you, Jesus. So my whole motivation is the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Never lose sight of what was necessary for the gospel to work. If, if we keep that in mind, we won't be distracted. Got it? So keep the gospel in front of you. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Don't depend on somebody else to preach it. You preach it. Remind yourself of what Jesus did for you and why. And how the whole story of life, the whole story of history, the whole story of the Bible revolves around that moment when Jesus rose from the grave. And if he rose, everything else is fitting right with that. Amen. Number two. Never lose sight of what is necessary for the gospel to work. Number two, stop arguing. Come on. Instead, humbly serve and receive. That word receive is the welcoming spirit. It's you receive a child. That child just takes you as, as, as the way you are, not judging you. Receive. Stop arguing. Serve and receive. We need that. Number three, check your motives. It's not your kingdom. We get so defensive and jealous. We develop our own little world of what we think is important. Our world, our cliques, our movements. And Jesus looking at that just must just say, come on. Get over yourself. It's not your kingdom. And not all Christ-honoring ministry will look just like yours. And that's a good thing. Wouldn't it be boring if everything was just like me and all God's people said, thanks a lot. So this verse, Mark chapter 9, verse 40. Go ahead and bring it up here. For the one who is not against us is for us. I remember when that verse, I remember the, the general time. That verse really clicked in my head because I saw so, so much confusion about whose side are you on, about this, about that. And when I was a, just a teenager, I think maybe like a senior in high school or a freshman in college, you know, still young, and just observing all this, people were distracted from what was really important, and they were building their own kingdoms, and it was all about them, and they were arguing over things that really didn't matter. And then I read this verse, for the one who is not against us is for us. Amen? Obviously, we as a church like ours will have things that are really important. We would call them distinctives. They're essential. And, and the gospel and the kingdom of God, that's essential. And we don't move from that. And someday we will give account to the Lord for how faithful we are to, as we've interpreted the Scriptures, to say true the Scriptures. But being respectful for others who are not just like us, who are serving the Lord in His name based on His authority, let's praise God for them. Praise God for them. Now, I don't know if that bothers you or not, but what bothers me is when we don't do that. The one who is not against us 
He's in the name of Jesus. He's for us. Let's take heed to that. And last of all, I want us to catch this. In the context that we've just drawn through with all of this, there's a reward awaiting those who help others, particularly other Christians who may not be right there with us in our group. There's a mindset here that we're, we're wanting to be alert to help somebody else who's not just like us, but is serving in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 41, Mark 9, verse 41. For truly I say to you, so he's talking to the disciples, he's talking to us. Whoever gives you, okay, you're a Christian, you're believing in Jesus, you're following the cause of Christ in his name. Whoever gives you a cup of water because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Ah, there's a reward for serving others and looking for ways to help them even though they're not in our clique. Our mercy certainly should not be limited to just Christian brothers and sisters. However, in this context, here in verse 41, there is a distinct statement given here about helping a brother or sister in Christ and giving a cup of water. The context is that This one is not necessarily one in our circle of fellowship, but we go out of our way to be a blessing to them. Who are you being a blessing to who isn't just like you? That's what I want you to go away thinking about today. By the way, aren't you happy and encouraged that the disciples didn't sugarcoat their story? Aren't you glad they didn't rewrite history? Isn't that Isn't that offensive to rewrite history in order so we look good? Or so we we get it the way we want it? They told it just as it was. They messed up here. And they didn't leave out the portions that that made them look bad. And that helps me to know that I, I can learn from that. I need to recognize my better than thou spirit. My that's a sinful attitude. And I need to do something about it. Stop arguing serve, receive, and give a cold cup of water. Because of the gospel, learn to have disagreements with our brothers and sisters without controversy, without fuss. Talk, communicate, work through differences, yes. But in the process, we care for them, we receive them, we'll do what we can to help them with a cold cup of water. Believe the right things, yes. But emphasize it in the wrong way, no. That's still wrong. Let's stay gospel-focused, be humble, be reserving, be serving, be receiving. Open arms. I think that's important to this whole context of understanding that just because they're not, they're not one of us does not make them of us. God, would you use what we've heard in your word now to check our hearts and our motives, Lord, to keep us from getting distracted with our own plans, our own objectives, our own purposes. Lord, deal with us in a way that we would put aside our rights and we would realize that other people are just as important to you as we are. 
Lord, may we not insist on having to have control. That's really building our own kingdom. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus, our Lord and our God. Oh, God, help us to make much of the gospel. Help us to see what's necessary because of the gospel. Jesus, you did that for us. Because there is no other way given among men whereby we might be saved. Oh, God, help us to live out your word, not just talk about it. May we serve. May we receive. May we give a cold cup of water just because of who you are. May we make much of Jesus Christ in everyday life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.